Hello, my friends, and welcome to our podcast all about Freddy's Nightmares and Beyond. Yes. And tonight is a beyond. <laughs> Definitely a beyond. <laughs> it is Welcome to Primetime of Freddy's Nightmares podcast, and we have a very different episode for you all this week that because we, do. we are going to sit down with something that I didn't even know existed <laughs> until David was uh, not working at his desk and discovered this program. In, in my defense, it wasn't at work I discovered this. I've actually known about this for a bit. Um, this was... Then you were just a bad friend who didn't tell me about it? Well, I, I thought you knew about it. I Because I, this was... The the way I found out about this program was this was a bootleg that was at a lot of like the early Horror Hounds. So now you're stealing from creators. I stand by the WGA, sir. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, it was it was basically one that you could find. I mean, from your from your uh, local bootleggers at that uh, event. Your local ver- bootleggers. <laughs> local okay, bootleggers. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the common bootleggers at that event. Ah, yes, a common bootlegger. But, um, yes, yes, yes. But I never watched it. I, I read the back of the cases they had and, and described them. And then I think it was uh, about three, four, five years ago. There was a magazine article in I think Horror Hound, if not uh, Rue Morgue, that talked about it a little bit. And then I found them on YouTube. So that was Ooh. basically how I found out about this. And uh, we want to say so. This episode is going to be us. Basically doing like a watch party of the Horror yes. Hall of Fame, the first initial one, yes, the first sir. one ever in 1990. 1990. And I want to mention, first of all, big thank you to Douglas Tilly. Yep. That's the YouTube channel we found it on. Yep. So if you want to watch it, that's the place to do it. Yes. And uh, so I want to say a big thank you to him for publishing it. Absolutely. And then I also want to say, if you love what we do on this show <laughs> and you want to watch it with us... The video version of the podcast is available exclusively on Patreon. Just go to freddysnightmares.com and click on Patreon. <laughs> and if you subscribe for anything over $3 a month, you get four video episodes of our podcast every single month, among many other things. And how could you not love that? That's some great content. I would like it if anyone signed up. No, we have like a few. <laughs> we have a few. But, uh, but yeah, so without further ado... We are going to begin yes, sir. this experience. I have not watched this at all. David, of course, he cheated and watched it. <laughs> I, I did I didn't rewind it. it, so let me just here we go. Alright. So this is it's hosted by Robert England. Yes. Who uh who did he who did he play? Was he Jason? Yeah, yeah, he was Jason. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so he was Jason. Okay, cool. So Freddy Krueger himself is hosting this. This event is uh, was premiered in Oct- uh, 1990, October 28th, which was a Sunday. This was on ABC. And basically, imagine the Oscars if it was all horror-based. You mean the Chainsaw Awards? Yes, the Chainsaw Awards. Or what was the other one? There was the there was the Chainsaw Awards. There was uh, Fangoria had one too. I can't remember. That's the Chainsaw Awards. Well, what's the one that Spike? What was the one that Spike TV did? I don't know. I can't remember. And then Joe Bob Briggs has the hubby. The hubby, and so, then so he's walking up. Robert England is walking up to the Psycho House. He's right black now. and white too, by the way. Well, I don't see color like that, <laughs> but. Thanks for mentioning it in case somebody is curious. He's opening the front door, and now he's on a giant stage full of fog. People are applauding, and it is 90s as hell. It's going to be really scary. (laughs) And it's in stereo. Wait. Oh, boy. This is so nostalgia. Oh, yeah. Look at these effects. 
What effect? <laughs> well, I mean, I know these. These are from the Amiga video toaster. Video toaster? I thought so. Robert England. Who? With special appearances by Forrest J. Ackerman. Yeah, Bory. Big Bob's Beepers. Ooh. Ooh. Oh! Yeah. It, who does he punch? <laughs> just Jason. Yeah, just He's Jason. like Prince. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Couldn't they have just said who's not in this? <laughs> Vincent Price and Joan Rivers. Yeah. I want to see Vincent Price, Joan Rivers, and Ridley Scott do a skit together. <laughs> like Larry Sanders show. <laughs> Speaking of Larry Sanders show, Shadow Stevens. <laughs> we'll take care of your breath, the rest is up to you. Ooh, that company doesn't even exist. Ultra Slim Fast. That's three Slim Fast tied together. Ultra Slim Fast. <laughs> So there were a total of three of these, 1990, 1991, and 92, and England right. hosts all three. Oh, well, he was like the biggest name in horror for such a long time. Yeah. First annual Horror Hall of Fame. Tonight, I'm honored to help honor the movies and the artists that have brought our nightmares to life. Looking so sharp. Our inductees span both the classic and the contemporary. I loved you in V! <laughs> the high-tech terrors of hyperspace. But they all have one thing in common. Through the years, they've haunted us and horrified us. So tonight, they'll get exactly what they deserve. In the 80s and 90s, there were a lot of attempts to do shows like this. Yeah. Do things like that. Because uh, wasn't there like the Drive-In Academy Awards that yep. Joe Bob did, the Hubbies? Really yep. There were a few others. Yeah. Captain Kirk pursued her in Star Trek. 4 well, and there was and originally in 1974, uh, unrelated, there was a Horror Hall of Fame that Vincent Price hosted. That was like a thing of sketch comedy, talk show, stuff like that. Right. And they actually do have that on YouTube, too. Well, you just crapped all over her intro. It's Catherine Hicks, the mom from Child's Play and yeah, Seven yeah. Heaven. Well, I mean, I mean, she's beautiful, but I don't know if she's Thank that beautiful. <laughs> When our first honoree premiered in 1973, it made a frightful first impression. I don't get it. a sweet little girl got an Oscar nomination for a movie debut that was a real head-turner. Ladies and gentlemen, our first inductee into the Horror Hall of Fame, The Exorcist. Exorcist. The Exorcist. Father William O'Malley as Father Dyer. Just to scare. <laughs> so now movie. it's just a clip show. Yeah. Then they're going to go, they're basically talking about all the stuff in regards to the Exorcist legacy, and they talked to, like, Linda Blair, you'll hear her in a little bit. Evil real. Mrs. McNeil. And you said this was on ABC? ABC. On July 25th, In this era, they did a lot of TV specials. Yeah. Through to the early 2000s, there were a lot of TV specials. Well, I remember, um, like, when Star Wars was coming out, um, episode one, they did, like, a whole special with uh, James Cameron, of all things, and Samuel Jackson just talking about, like, special effects of both Star Wars and just the legacy of special effects at that time. Well, one of the, one of the greatest examples of a... Uh, TV special ever was uh, the uh, Blair Witch Factor Fiction. Yeah. Oh, God, I forgot about that. That's great. Oh, I mean, I think that that's almost better than the movie, and I love the movie. No, it's phenomenal. Fantastic. He said, would you like to do the movie? I said, Jesus, do the movie. Do the movie? Yes, so, sure. 
Oh, Billy Friedkin. That was Billy Friedkin? I guess I can't recognize him without a clenched fist. <laughs> During that time, Miller was given a rare opportunity to study the evidence of evil. They allowed me to read the original diary, which was kept under lock and key. Uh, not no specifics. The original diary, <laughs> the first one ever written. What does that have to do with demons? <laughs> what now, demons? Uh, original exorcism on which bloody face. How long's it been since you've watched The Exorcist? Uh, a couple years. Oh, love not long. I think it's been about four or five for me. I mean, I think that that. I mean, it's perfectly scary. Mm-hmm. I have, oh, no, I have no complaints still, uh, 100%. with it. Hundred percent. And I could see immediately that her attitude about it was so open, so. Flexible. <laughs> Flexible in her head turns. Wait, I'm confused. Why didn't they show the part where she said, Fuck me! Fuck me, priest! <laughs> I don't know. I wonder why. person to work with. I mean, for instance, I had to cast her head. You had to cast her head? That's intense. Usually you cast a whole actor. No, you cast the whole actor. And then, you know, they come with a head. But they were like, No, we cast the actress's body and then the head. When you're buried under all this molding <laughs> material, she did it better than any adult I've ever worked with. The actress earned. It sounds like the chick, uh, I can't remember, Jennifer Carpenter, when she did the Exorcist of Emily Rose, they saved a bunch of money on effects because she, she could contort her body and stuff like that. Or because she was so afraid not to contort her body <laughs> fair that they did it. Oh, here's Linda Blair. Yeah. I think this is, this is right before she went nuts again. And I mean that with love. Yeah. She's doing a lot better. A lot better now. Uh, I'm not too sure I would do it as an adult. But a lot of people don't realize that when she went nuts, uh, the reason she went nuts is she was at a movie convention mm-hmm. and a, a guy threw holy water on her. I didn't know about this. Oh my gosh, I was doing cons when that happened. Yeah. And I think that was when she decided she just hated it. She just hated the fandom, hated the concepts and everything. And from what I've heard, she's doing a lot better now. To my knowledge, she still will not sign anything exorcist at this point. But she'll sign a plumber's helper, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> or like or like a younger sister who's deaf. I know she's also... <laughs> That's a reference to Savage Streets. And I was getting ready to say, I know for a fact, too, that she's very selective on things she signs from Savage Streets. But a plumber's helper, no problem? <laughs> Linda Blair had a very personal scene with a plumber's helper in a film. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, wait till you're older and get cable and you can find out for yourself. If you've not seen Savage Streets, I highly, highly recommend you. Oh, it's a great film. It's so good. It was the biggest hit of the year. Well, actually, I think it's more than a horror film. Well, it's not a horror film, because once it got an Oscar, it became a thriller. <laughs> not wrong. If you're the devil, why not make the straps disappear? Nothing makes me matter. I'm bummed that this just didn't take off as much as it could have. The Exorcist? No, no, no. The Horror oh, Hall of Fame. Oh I was literally about to be like, David, I love you, but you are the dumbest person. Yeah, I mean, I wish it would have got sequels or like a series creation. <sighs> no, you mean the Horror Hall of Fame? Well, uh, why? To me, to me, like putting my like thinking cap on yeah i don't think a horror hall of fame can work unless it's like once in a long once while in a moon, yeah it can't be every year because no. there aren't enough people who are avid horror fans yeah for it to justify being on uh like abc or something yeah now obviously we have the chainsaw awards are back and they're on shutter and yeah. they're through fangoria and i think that makes perfect sense yeah 100 um because that's the audience that wants it but i think that putting this on abc 
like the one time was probably great. Yeah. The second time maybe, but by the third time, obviously, we're like, uh, people aren't running at this as quick as we hope. The amazing Jonathan's in the third one. No, that's awesome. I love him. And Gilbert Godfrey's in the second one. He's got a really hilarious bit. Well, yeah, he's the funniest person who ever lived. The Exorcist. Oh, I thought they were all applauding Satan because they shot it in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) What, too soon? Exactly. (laughs) On behalf of The Exorcist, please welcome the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and star of The Exorcist and The Exorcist 3, Jason Miller. Oh, Oh, yeah, he's a playwright. I was about to say, who? need to give the exorcist 2 another spin even though it's notoriously bad oh shut up it's uh, a great privilege to uh love it receive this tribute and i would just like to mention the people who made this uh film the uh spectacular success that it was if and when we get robert on the show i'm asking him about these events linda blair i mean i i hope he was paid phenomenally jay cobb god rest his soul i just would have loved to have been there <laughs> I don't know. You weren't alive. Oh, I wasn't. So that, would have, that was why it was so good. Hey, I could have made the last one. Well, wait. Yeah, I could have. I mean, your mom could have went with you in her, in her stomach, you know. <laughs> There's just a guy just a in guy. the Phantom of the Opera mask. Yep. Just yep. contributions to the genre. But there's one award we'll be presenting tonight Ooh. that's been selected by audiences across America. The best horror film of the year. Our first nominee is a fantasy thriller young scientist whose world blows. Darkman. Darkman. Yep. I don't even think that's a horror movie. I think it just has. I mean, it definitely has elements, but yeah, I wouldn't consider it a horror film. I always considered an action film. I mean, Scream Factory did put it out under their label too, though. Yeah, but are they? They're not the law. No, I mean they're not. I love that this is the clip they use. Yeah, they're they're showing the scene where he's like uh, beating up Ted Raimi in the sewer. I, I love Darkman a lot. Yes. I, even, I love two and three as well. You didn't. But I just wouldn't think, I don't think horror movie when I think Darkman. No, I don't either. <laughs> Freeze frame right before Ted Raimi gets what's coming to him. I just love that's the scene they picked. <laughs> The 90s was a weird year for horror until Scream, really. Yeah. Because nothing really caught. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The man himself. Oh, man. He's He's got his own little setup. Yeah. It's the puppet. It's a puppet. He can't walk up and do it. Hey, he walks in Demon Knight. Make sure you get it back by Tuesday. The Crypt Keeper's holding a dagger. Because Sam Kinison's coming up, and we know he's a real scream. I get it, because he screams a lot. A lot. I'm kind of curious what he's going to be like. He's just going to be like, ah, find horror movies so scary. Oh, there's Elvira. Oh, yeah, the contest. Look for me wherever they sell mug Oh, yeah, she was the spokeswoman yep. for Mug for a long time. Was, was that, didn't Mug snap her up after a beer company stopped having her, or yeah. was it vice versa? Oh, God damn it. who was the beer company? It was... Oh, it was like Miller or Bud. It was one of the major ones, It wasn't Coors, was it? This 
Oh, I don't know. Oh god, I would love to find that cutout. Oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> There's, a There's just a gremlin laughing between two people. Director, whose very first film was Monster from the Ocean Floor. Know how I feel. Oh, here you go. Oh, is it Corman? Awesome. I don't know how I feel about uh, his glasses. <laughs> including three memorable. I can rock those. Our next inductee, ladies and sure. gentlemen, my old boss, Roger Corman. <laughs> Man. Yeah, look at him. What a young puppy still was. I'm just waiting till you see Dante with hair. <laughs> I've made 87 kickboxer movies this year. Roger, it's February. I'm aware of the month. I'm privileged again to present him as the next inductee of the Horror Hall of Fame. This is awesome. Oh, oh, that's nice, too, because he's one of, probably one of the few people there that worked with him. Wait. This isn't a clip from the terror, is it? No, that's the Raven. Oh, okay, good. Hey, I'm sorry I couldn't tell him apart. Began life as William Henry, born in 1887, just outside London. Okay. It's unclear where he got the name. He was calling himself Boris Karloff when he came to Hollywood, where he found work in silent films. I've tracked down some of his early films, and he he was awesome. Oh yeah, no, he he had he had. All of the charisma. Yeah. In nearly a hundred movies, but was still a relative unknown when a producer from Universal Pictures remembered him as a surly inmate in the criminal code. <laughs> Dracula had been Universal. Hey, he wasn't in that. And its star, Bella sure Lugosi, he was. was scheduled to appear in the studio's horror follow-up. But the new role required extensive makeup. Ah, this is so cool. No yeah, I know. Guys, if so ever you thought maybe I should sign up for the Patreon, it should be to this watch this it. with us. <laughs> or, I mean, or you could just time it up with when we hit play. There's that too. And watch it, I guess. But it might be echoey. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I would say to her too. Perhaps the greatest horror movie of all was the turning point for Karloff. He was over 40 when shooting began, and the role was physically taxing and professionally challenging. Each day, legendary makeup artist Jack Pierce took hours to transform Karloff into the monster. Pierce, that's the guy who did, was in Argo, wasn't it? Is, wasn't that Jack Pierce? I think, yeah, I think it was Jack Pierce. In asphalt spreaders boots, under layers Jack of Pierce did the makeup for Planet of the Apes, and then he famously did occasionally makeup for the CIA. I remember reading that, actually. and terrifying. And today, I like that um, still even people in like the CIA film. are such showbiz marks. They're After like, wait, let's get the guy who did Planet of the Apes. It's like, <laughs> okay, I mean, you guys don't have like your own prosthetic people? Like you got to go to Hollywood? Everyone's a star fucker. Remember that movie I showed you FX where they they have that FX guy do the mob hit so they can try to put that guy in the witness protection program? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, the other direction would be they took a photo of you with some ketchup on you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's kind of what Emmett what Walsh does in, uh, what is it, um, oh, damn it, my favorite Coen Brothers movie, I can't think of it. Um, Blood, uh, Simple. Simple, yeah. I love the Black Cat. God, that's such a good movie. Lugosi and Karloff were teamed again in The Raven before Boris resurrected his most famous role. Frankenstein. In 1935, Fair. it's been a while since I've seen Bride. I yeah. definitely need to revisit Bride. Why haven't you rewatched it? Uh, Do you have the box set? Oh, yeah, I've got the box set. Oh. Well, I think the last time I watched it was with Sven during quarantine. Oh, he came over and like you guys got, got a couple beers? <laughs> I wish. His creator and his monstrous new mate. 
I assume you meant Bo Svensson. <laughs> yes, yes, but Bo okay. Svensson, okay. yes, yes. No! I love these movies. See, this was Dave's idea yeah, yeah. to sit and watch this and talk about it. And when I start enjoying it, I'm like, oh, I'm not creating content. <laughs> I mean, your enjoyment is the sound that people can probably, you know, get in line with. Did you hear that? No, no, no. Yeah, it's people unsubscribing. With the son of Frankenstein, his final screen appearance as the creature. Do you ever see the lads play knife? Oh, the body snatcher. That's such a good one, too. I'd like to do that all over my body. Shout a couple years ago uh, did a complete remaster on that, and it looks phenomenal. I mean, it'd be weird if it looked worse. Three <laughs> understated. That's fair. Well, now this might be a good place for me to go into a little dance. But is he wearing a bonnet? Yes, he's wearing a bonnet. Very good. Be too frightening. By the fifties, Boris had become a popular guest. That's the craziest part. Is it's like now we're up to the fifties. Yeah. Screen image. When does Thriller happen? The TV series he hosts. Oh, was it called Thriller? Yeah, that was yeah. 60s, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. He also did, um, he also would read scary stories on the radio yeah. or host them sometimes. Too. I've got him uh, doing the uh, Legend of Ichabod Crane. In the 60s. And another one, actually. I think Rip Van Winkle and Ichabod Crane. In films like Black Sabbath. I love the Black Sabbath. And The Terror. The, the terror, targets. where no one had any clue what they were doing. It wasn't Boris's fault. You've seen Targets, right? Of course, I've seen Targets. Okay, the Bogdanovich movie. Well, yeah, 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 it's good. God, it's so good. As he reminisces about his life as a screen legend, Mr. Boogeyman, King of Blood, they used to call me. <laughs> Box Brothers make it's available on Paramount Home Video. Ooh, makes you scream. On February second, nineteen sixty-nine. Boris Karloff died at the age of 81. What a legacy. I think it's amazing how much they skipped. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had to. It's TV. But, like, I'm just saying, like, man, they skipped a lot of great stuff he did, too. Why five generations of moviegoers cherish the memory of William Henry Pratt and salute Boris Karloff. The man whose singular talent for terror gave life to the movie's most magnificent monster, and made him live in our hearts. Full disclosure, I saw Young Frankenstein before I ever saw Frankenstein. Yeah, you're a poser. Yeah. <laughs> what? You're a poser. That's yeah, rude. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Boris Karloff, it's rude of you to be a poser. I agree. <laughs> There's a mummy just applauding in the audience. Right in front of Catherine Hicks. The award for Boris Karloff is his daughter, Sarah Karloff Cotton. Aww. Yeah. What a shiny dress or shirt. Well, the quality of this is very low, too. That's true, too. It's called a blouse, by the way. Oh, very much. This is a wonderful tribute to my father. I'm not even trying to be mean. I'm just like, whoa, his daughter's old. I mean, like, in the 90s. Like, it was just, he was such a long time ago. So it's ironic that it was this sort of a part that gained him notoriety and fame. But thank you very much for remembering him this evening. That's so awesome. That's a wonderful little speech. Yeah. Robert, could you have let the crowd breathe a second? <laughs> Jesus. Sneak peek at some of the best. Bitch. Their world screamers. And who better to share them with us? Look at those eyes. Of your screams, Sam Kinison! Oh, God. I'll turn the volume down now. 
before it gets uh, really out of hand. Ow! Ow! You didn't even Ow! need a microphone. Uh, I just, I've lived. I've just met Sarah Karloff, and I'm like, you know, I had a little trouble wondering why I was here tonight because I know it was the, uh, you know, Hall, poor Hall of Fame. I have to say it just right because you know people are expecting something from me on a joke like that. Poor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I have uh, I've had some experiences in the war. I was married twice, and, uh, <laughs> and my movie agent's been legally dead for three years. <laughs> he has no pulse. He's funny. But anyway, let's hear. Let's go with the. Film. That's my hot take. <laughs> Sam Kinison, funny man. World premiere, Psycho Four. Psycho Four tells the story. Oh of wow! Yeah. This is some kid. He cuts class and everything else. Oh, oh! <laughs> the voiceover. Well, now, but I'm not cured. <laughs> I'll never be cured. I love this. Uh, so Psycho good. Four is great. Jacob's ladder still messes with me. They must have been pretty. Um... <laughs> they must have been pretty tight for content because Psycho Four was great, but it was a. Uh, Made for TV. Showtime. Yeah. yeah. Was it made for Showtime? I thought it was Showtime. I could be wrong. I mean, that could be. I. I, I <laughs> maniac cop too. too. Yes. It's the maniac cop. Here we go. I love this line. It must be this. It must be this. Because <laughs> my friend is back. <laughs> <gasps> oh, yeah, graveyard, graveyard shift. shift. Stephen King's newest film stars a fat, hairy, slimy monster that eats everything in sight. Only this one doesn't sing the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder who that was about. Dark Shadows is back. Oh, the Dark Shadows. Yeah, the 90s. Oh, they call them vampires. You know what I call I don't even know if that's available now. Nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Since I've dug my own grave with some of those intros here in show business, thank you very much tonight. Thank you very much. How much longer? Did he live like another three or four hours? He's in the second one. Oh, that doesn't mean he's not dead. He's really good at making me look really bad. The makeup artist who gets Freddy ready and the designer of the Horror Hall of Fame award, Mr. Kevin Yeager. Oh, wow. Look at that hair. Rob Bottin is just like, just on the other side of the room shaking his <laughs> fist. Uh, is creeping up on us. We invited another master makeup artist to demonstrate these are his fun. magic. So joining us from his monster lab is the man who created special effect makeups for Ghostbusters and the Abyss. The other Magic Johnson, <laughs> Steve Johnson. While well, he was married to Linnea. Oh. And with him is his wife, Hollywood's reigning screen queen, Aww. Linnea Quigley. Thanks, Robert. You know, gang, to do effective makeups like we do in Hollywood, you don't need complicated state-of-the-art equipment. Or he has the same material. mannerisms as Weird Al. Needs a good imagination. I think Weird Al was copying him. <laughs> wow! Steve Johnson just pulled his face. Yeah, he just pulled his face apart like a friggin' uh, like a gag out of Beetlejuice. <laughs> With Steve and Linnea. There's lots of stuff you can do at home. And he smokes the whole time while doing it. <laughs> What'd you say? He smokes the whole time while he does this. Yes, 1990. There's a hand in the box lighting his cigarette. Damn right. You can make scary monster teeth with ordinary chewy fruit candy and a common everyday household mallet. Uh, 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 Beat it into a 
Oh, he just smashed his thumb. Oh, God! Okay. Well, sadly, this is television, so Linnea's top isn't going to vanish. No, sadly not. Because it makes a nice gum color. And place it into Linnea's mouth like this. That ain't the only thing. Hey, that's not appropriate. So you can see there's all kinds of variations. And now you've got some brand new scary monster gums. Next, we'll put the fangs in. So take the lemon flavor. Make sure you uh, brush afterwards to cover your teeth in candy. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do stuff like this. I was going to ask you. I was like, any of these tricks into the early filmmaking of you? Um, so I read uh, Dick Smith's makeup book. Yeah. And uh, those are really clever made. Uh, I read Dick Smith's makeup book, and it taught me a lot <laughs> about how to do makeups and, and things like that, like with with household items. Yeah. We've got the steamy story behind the psycho shower scene, plus more monster makeups with Steve and Linnea. But first, a little torture. Commercial. Do you think God. he's actually he's actually there, or they recorded? No. Okay. No. I mean, not not because like they couldn't or Kassir wouldn't, but because frankly, uh, it would be a horrible decision to have the possibility he could flub a line. Clarence you know? Clemens. <laughs> oh, Universal so, Studios. That's why one of the best things about reading Dick Smith's book, which I wish I had kept it, it's insanely out of yeah, print. Yeah, it's now. wicked out of print now. Uh, was it would teach you things like gluing cotton balls to your face and yeah. then covering them in, in makeup and then make informing like rotten flesh. Frankenstein's now yep, in the audience. Just in the audience. Uh, and that stuff like that really helped because I've had movies where makeup artists no showed or showed up really late. And I've literally improvised by doing the things I learned in that book. I feel like yeah. we have cotton swabs, we have latex, and we have two other things. I got this, guys. I've seen you do do problem solving on makeup on set, and you're I, very good at it. Well, makeup artists also hate me because I know how long latex takes to dry. Yeah. So they say I need 30 minutes. I'm like, it'll only take 11 for that latex to dry. Get it done. Oh, so Nightbreed, Nightbreed came out in 1990, yeah. yeah. And this was the cut that made even less sense. Yeah, yeah, the uh, shorter by what forty-five minutes. <laughs> but who's counting? I really do enjoy Nightbreed. Oh god, that's a fun one. But do you prefer it because of the Cabal cut, or do you like the original cut? I've never seen the Cabal cut. I've only seen the director's cut. Oh, that's what I meant. Oh my cut. god. Okay. <laughs> For those unaware, there's three cuts of Nightbreed. There's the original, the director's (laughs) cut, and then the Cabal cut, which is all the work print footage that they found some years ago. Our next presenter is to spend his entire allowance on the movies. And that turned out to be a pretty good investment. Yeah, here you go. Because he turned out to be an actor, writer, director, and producer. He's soon to be seen in Stephen King's new thriller, and sometimes they come back. Please welcome Tim Matheson. Look at that hair. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the 80s just <laughs> ended. That's for sure. In 1960, I always like Tim Matheson. Tim Matheson's awesome. The latest film by the man whose face was as familiar as He was great in that uh, one we watched a couple years ago, Buried Alive. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Hotel, so much fun. It changed the course of horror history. Our third inductee, Psycho. This would have been shortly after Freddy's Nightmares was yeah. canceled. 1990 was the last year for it, so yeah. Here we have a quiet little motel. 
tucked away off the main highway. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock. I appreciate Psycho more and more each each time I watch it. Because you're like, those bitches deserved it. I get that. You know, as you get older, you know. It has now become known as... No, but yes. I think Hitchcock made... I need to read the book. I've got all the Psycho novels. I need to read them. I mean, that would be the next step. Yeah. If yeah. you buy them, you read them. Yeah. I mean, they are pretty, though. No. thought that this was the... Uh, something new, a kind of movie that he hadn't made before. Have you watched that shocking. documentary all about the shower scene? Shocking yeah, details. that's great. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's phenomenal. Real life mass murderer. What? Gave writer Robert just Locke, you're just disappointing. For the character who's been called <laughs> just a general disappointment. <laughs> I said there's got to be more of a ah, it broke. behind such a series of killings. I think what's also what's really bothering me in this mm -hmm. is how old these movies I like were in 1990. <laughs> I was I was helping Rachel with her uh, with her garden today, just uh, digging up sod. Yeah, and because uh, I have lived the fast paced life of an independent filmmaker. Of course, yes, yes. And uh, at one point she was like, uh, she was like, you know, I found out that uh, she had a series on HBO briefly, and I was like, yeah, when? And she was like, and she was like, it was probably uh, 15. You know, years ago, and I was like, it was probably Wait, 25 years, years ago. ago. And she was like, why are you always trying well, to hurt I'm me? Always, <laughs> I love the scene in why are you always Park. trying to hurt me? And sure enough, it was like 93. I was yeah. like, well, that's almost 30 years Almost 30, years 30 ago. yeah. And what was to be was all there. Or that is 30 years ago. Uh, well, I just, I just turned 31, and I was born in 92. Sure so, yeah. That maybe there wasn't going to be something between. Why'd you have to go and be born? Talk to my parents. I do. Yeah, I know. They love you. I know. Well, More than me. I, I Well, that's pretty easy to do, but all right. A little mad sometimes. <laughs> we all go a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. If you say so, David. If you say so. Hitchcock planned Psycho to be shot in just 36 days. Wow. Seeing it on the big screen for a Horrorama this past year was a lot of fun. I'm glad you had fun. Especially because they showed the director's cut. Yeah. You, you don't know about that? There's a director's cut of just, the original Psycho? It just came out like a year ago or two, a year or two ago. Rob Rob was the one who told me about it. Huh. He's actually probably listening to this right now. Um, but yeah, it, um, it has, it doesn't have like a lot of extension to the shower scene, but the aftermath of the shower scene. Um, like the, he does some, he does some cleaning up and whatnot. Was completely disorienting <clears throat> to audiences. Also, the way she was killed, there's a tremendous suggestion of nudity and extreme violence as well. You really don't mm -hmm. see anything. But your mind yeah, I, I, watching that movie Hitchcock, Hitchcock really changed my appreciation of Psycho because I would have never in a million years guessed Psycho was toward the end of Hitchcock's career. Yeah. That movie is so like something a young idiot, you know, you a young think, guy yeah. trying to prove everything would make. Yeah. But no, that was an old timer trying to show he was still relevant. I love that. I mean, I don't love that he had to show he's still relevant, but I love that he pulled off so much. Yeah, no, no, I got you. Well, because, yeah, because Hitchcock only had, like, I think, like, four or five more movies after Psycho? Uh, something like that, because he did The Birds and a few others. The Family Plot, I think, was the last one. I love his comedies, though. Yeah. I think they're really funny. And it was, well, to this day... I want to watch Psycho. Damn it. I can almost remember every day. It was a great experience. 
Well, Hitchcock in the in the shower scene knew exactly what he wanted for blood. Shasta had just come out with chocolate syrup that you could <laughs> squirt in a plastic bottle. Revolution. Yeah, because they were on the West Coast. <laughs> yep. East Coast, Hershey's motherfucker. <laughs> actually, actually, back then it would have been Bosco. Actually. Bosco. <laughs> Bosco. Gosh, what am I talking about? Hershey's. Bosco syrup. Because that's what they used on Night of the Living Dead. Yep. Which also Bosco. I think they talk about here in a second. It's either this one or the second one. I can't remember. Well, I mean, they'd have to. One could imagine Crenshaw's and honey. And watermelons. And yeah, just stabbing various fruits to get the sound. I love that. <laughs> and listened with his eyes closed as this man went down the row, stabbing each melon one by one. And Hitchcock, at the end of the session, <laughs> intoned very quietly, cassava. And that was the sound that he had in his I head love a good cassava. <laughs> a body sounded like being stabbed by a butcher knife. My rule has always been what sounds even better than that would actually sound. Yeah. I remember when we were in college, we had one for one of our uh, sound classes. We had the uh, they gave us a list of uh, sound effects they wanted us to create, and the one the one that I got the best was for breaking bones was snapping celery in half. Oh, celery's uh, great for just about any sound yeah. that you need because it's crunchy and it's loud yeah. and it's uh, it's not very bassy, so it goes right through the sound mix to the front. <laughs> Love that shot. Him falling down the steps. It was. It's difficult to describe the way that the, the, the twisting of the of the. <laughs> he was such a showman. No, he really was. But it's, it it seemed at first begrudgingly, and then he really leaned into it with yeah. the TV so, series. John Landis' stories of Hitchcock are hilarious. He was such a, a jokester. Do what? I'm sorry? John Landis' stories of Hitchcock, oh. he, he was such a jokester. Like, he messed with Landis all the damn time. Well, he's British, so that means he just hated him. <laughs> Might not be wrong about that. And the movie had even been reviewed by the critics. Psycho opened on June 16th of 1960. It was still playing in theaters in November. First run theaters. That is insane. an enormous hit. I mean, it's no uh, Titanic, I mean, but Titanic. whatever. You see it again for the first time, Psycho. <laughs> well, you can see it again uh, completely recreated in, uh, with Vince Vaughn, though. <laughs> and Anne butthole, actually. David, please. Just saying. Control yourself. That has become common knowledge. This is a classy show. Hitchcock made it so. He made the audience care about... The Robert Block did a lot of uh, a lot of stories for films that I did not realize until I was looking some stuff up on him. Hey, well, he wrote the novel, right? Yeah. I mean, the novels. Well, I mean this with love. It's garbage. I mean, it's it's just a trash pulp novel. Yeah. Uh, and when I say that, what I mean is, it was just a trashy bit of fun. Yeah. That doesn't make it bad, but the movie is like a horror classic. Meanwhile, the book is like it's just a trashy Ed Gein ripoff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Which, I mean, makes sense, because that had just happened. So, I can't pretend that I'm, you know, better than reading something I've always been curious, though, if there was ever a beef between Hitchcock and Castle, because Castle did that movie Homicidal that was kind of a ripoff of Psycho, like, a year later. I don't know if it would be a ripoff of Psycho. I mean, because everybody was ripping off the concept of Ed Gein. Yeah, that's fair. I think he's a genius. And Will, Bill Castle was making much scarier movies before, before Hitchcock, Hitchcock got was. into it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not. You're not wrong. Psycho inductee. Applaud more. 
Applaud more, you bastards. Glamorous leading ladies, despite the fact she hasn't been able to get near a shower in 30 years. Oh, God. She's got to smell pen. She's just pig pen from Peanuts. Do, 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 do. She was so elegant. Mm-hmm. And I think this is seven years before she goes to H2O with her daughter, which I, is really uh, cool to see them on the screen together. I am indeed uh, pleased to be uh, a small part of this wonderful tribute to a man I, I truly deeply loved and, and admired. A wolf band is just in the audience and she's talking about somebody she loved who's dead. And meanwhile, I'm like silent when they're talking about people they miss because I feel weird. I don't want to make jokes about Hitchcock dying. And anyway, here's a wolf man. <laughs> it's kind of like a reunion tonight as well for me because uh, here is a lady who who knew Hitch better than anyone. Oh yeah, this is really cool. Uh, Oh, my friend, Tippy Hedren, my Mm-mm. my I'm psycho <laughs> colleague, Pat Hitchcock. <gasps> yeah, his wife. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm surprised she outlived the man. <laughs> thank you, Janet, so much. I would like to thank the Horror Hall of Fame for recognizing my father. Father. And oh, like father. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Again, can't believe how old his daughter is in this. Like, it just blows my mind that, like, those movies were so old yeah. then. I still love them. Yeah. I, I, but, I mean, it's just funny to think, like, when this aired, I was four. I was not existing. It was awesome. It was a great time. Hey, Anthony Perkins. You might be able to make a pretty good deal for this place when you consider that the original building price was $15,000. Gosh. Anyway, I have a knife dildo I'd like to show you. For his original picture. Yeah, Crimes of Passion reference. Yeah. I'm sure that Hitch would be happy to know that Psycho has been inducted into the Horror Hall of Fame. I probably think it was, it was garbage. I thank you. The, the Hall of Fame, I mean. But he was a judgmental prick, so whatever. Oh, back to the Crypt Keeper we go. My hero. When he yelled, <laughs> Never knew if he meant kill the sea or kill the actors. Uh, with Hitch, he probably meant, meant a little both. bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> the living day, but first, yep. something even more deadly, more commercials. <laughs> That's what you think. I just feel like a medical company was like, we don't appreciate that reference right when our com- <laughs> like our commercial played. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Robertson Health Network. Uh, we have the hospital, the train staff to serve you. The other has no co-stars because he kills them all. So please welcome from Who's the Boss and Cujo, Danny Pintauro, and from Friday the 13th, my nemesis, Jason. Do you know who is playing Jason here? I think. You said you prob- I think it was did Kane. research. I think it's Kane. You said you did research. Well, no, uh, there's not much research on this, but I think it's Kane. Judging by the movie. Oh, the breathing. Yeah. Yeah, that's Kane Hodder. All the good parts in Hollywood's horror movies. Right, Jason? He just oh, wow. punches him. That's the that's the costume from Part Eight. Part Eight yeah. takes Manhattan. Pennsylvania replaced Transylvania as a new. They should have covered him in slime like they did in that movie. <laughs> and reverted him back to his childhood. <laughs> oh. I wish this movie was good. Wow! <laughs> I'm gonna kick your ass. 
so is Rob. Rob's gritting his teeth right now listening to this. Night of the Living Dead is one of those movies that I've shown it to people who were shocked how good it was. I'm still bummed I missed that projection in your backyard. Oh, when we watched it on 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, my cousin Jeff won't loan us that now that you said it was a bad movie. So, <laughs> I love Night of the Living Dead. It's not a bad movie. Experience the uncompromising terror of Night of the Have you watched uh, the Anubis cut? That the film isn't just another no. Hollywood horror story. What is it? It's, it's on the Criterion disc. Dude, it's a courtesy of Image 10. So they were actually honoring the copyright. Wow. That's a whole thing people love to talk. Hey, John Russo, I wonder how much you charged for this interview. Would you mind if I sold you some Night of the Living Dead cemetery dirt? And literally the first week. We did it with a latent image, who, by the way, I'm the only original member not in anymore. Uh, mean. I'm so mean to John Rousseau. When I met Jack, he was a nice guy. Oh, he was always nice. Uh, a little bit of a con artist. Oh, yeah. But I actually like Midnight, his movie Midnight. I actually like that. You're welcome. Each put up $600. Relatives and business associates were also persuaded to invest in the project. It's better than the uh, Majorettes. You know, I was hoping that they'd have Jason do this one. The voice on it. That we made a conscious concerted but so, effort to do I want to say one thing yeah is Night of the Night of the Living Dead actually public Russo domain kind of no yeah <clears throat> but the problem is because people are like well if it's not public domain why is everybody able to get away with everything because it's by the time a court acknowledged that it's copyright was fair yeah how can you I mean who has the money to enforce that yeah so I just wanted to point that out. Is it? I, I know. You, I know your cousin Jeff did that whole book, and I've, I've read through. And I've read through the one that he did recently. Yeah, he did two books for Image Ten, um, or with Image Ten. It's the. It's like the most released uh, VHS, right? Most released movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mean, it's on every single budget horror pack you can find. But I mean, all those VHS tapes that he put together in that book, I was I was blown away. Well, I mean, no, the, he did a, an incredible job pulling them all together. But what's important to keep in mind is Night of the Living Dead. The problem was when they changed the title, they forgot their copyright notice. Yeah. But that does not mean the movie's public domain. But what it does mean is that people assumed it was public domain in mass. But at that time, I, I, originally, as long as you registered with the copyright office, you were copyrighted. The notice wasn't didn't make your movie public domain. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it makes sense that everybody assumed it was at it the makes time. Sense. No, it totally makes sense. And that's why the movie has such infamy. I mean, played on television stations all over the world because it was quote unquote free. It's it's still a movie that scares me. Like I, I still find the movie to be scary. To be honest, of course it's a scary movie. It's one of the best scary movies ever made in its simplicity. Yeah. In their spare time for more than a year, the producers sold their finished film to a distributor. Night of the Flesh Eaters. They discovered that the Flesh Eaters had been used. So they gave the movie a brand new title. <laughs> the world premiere was in Pittsburgh in October 1968. We went out and got brought popcorn and went out and watched it at a drive-in. And uh, so that happy was I got to meet Romero too, before he passed. Me too. Yeah, we actually met him at the same con. Yeah. <laughs> well, I met him at a couple before that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was at a lot of the shows on the East Coast. Night of the Living Dead was a box office success from the start. 
But its reputation as something more than just another horror film grew when it began a two-year run as the midnight feature at Greenwich Village's... Are they going to reference that it was stolen by, like, everybody? And the Walter Reed organization that officially released it also, like, went bankrupt instead of paying them? Oh, God. It's all in Jeff's book. Yeah. Uh... In uh, Night of the Living Tapes. Yeah, Night of the Living Tapes. Which you should check out on Amazon. It's written by my good buddy and cousin, Jeff Turner. Very good book. It's a great book. It has every copy he's physically found. Yeah. If you do like horror films, this may well be the most horrifying ever made. And the movie was even screened at the Museum of Modern Art. That's awesome. Night of the Living Dead was one of the few horror films at, at that time that hey, treat uh, horror oh, yep. seriously. My doggie, so she's checking us out. Chicano's out, Chicano's out cold behind you. Yeah. A death that's not even breathing, final. boy. You die and you come back, and the dead turn. First time I ever saw Night of Living Dead, uh, a ghastly ghoul came to Troy uh, with Creep, and they hosted it uh, for a mid-afternoon on like a the Saturday Halloween <laughs> thing. Wild. The producers have gotten together to bring a new. Oh yeah, the yeah. remake was just happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the remake Which, of Night of the Living Dead it. is going to have so a, the same impact as the original. But, but mm-hmm. I think it's what it's going to do is reaffirm all the reasons. That's a little lofty. <laughs> I think it's going to be as successful as the most successful horror movie of all time. Haven't you ever heard if you put lightning in a bottle, then you just have lightning whenever you want it? Isn't that the saying? Anybody? Fuck. No picture has surpassed the stark power. But that being said, Night of the Living Dead 90, when I grew up, it was well-liked in my household. I liked it even as a kid. It was always a good movie. It's still a great movie. I remember, like, the early days of, of Walmart when it was Halloween time and they had all the VHSs. Not a Living Dead was one that was always available to buy around you mean the Halloween remake? time. No, no, the original. Of course, because it was heavily bootlegged. Yeah. <laughs> did you get yourself a copy from Good Times Video? I had the Good Times at one point. Yes, I did. I also had that stupid-ass color version at one point, too. Whoa. Dude, that color version's terrible. Uh, okay, Dave. I don't want to talk about no, race stop. on the program. <laughs> Jason. Just cuts back and the kid's dead. I mean, that would make the most sense. But also, look at that kid's haircut. He's definitely a virgin, so he's safe. <laughs> so we have Russ Striner and John Russo. Russ Striner, for those who don't know, not only was he a producer on Night of the Dead, but he played Johnny. Yeah. And he's still alive. He's one of the main people at Image 10 right now. We would be a bit remiss if we didn't uh, thank uh, the co-producer on the film, Carl Hardman, and uh, a very special thanks to our good pal, George Romero, who unfortunately is on location tonight. Shooting. Um, He sends his... I I don't think he was making anything then. thanks you very much. I think he just didn't care. Okay. I... In this era, Romero yeah. was a bit of a prick. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know that. Yeah. Crew who worked so hard to help us make a hit picture on a shoestring, and also we can. Because Bruiser is what ninety six. It's somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. With us. Thank you very much. I mean, I guess he could have been shooting what, like Monkey Shines. Monkey Shines is the one I was thinking of. Yeah. More monster makeup with Steve Johnson. And Linnea. And Linnea. For life, all you need is some unflavored gelatin, some simple grease paint. Just mix up the gelatin with hot water according to directions, and then make sure you let it cool a little bit before you apply it to the skin, and you're ready to go. 
Just apply the gelatin in the area of the wound. I love how Linnea doesn't have a single line in any of these. Well, you know, maybe maybe off camera she had a couple lines, you know, just to keep the, keep the pace up. But, hey, it was barely the 90s. What do you want? That's fair. That's fair. That's not even a judgmental thing. I'd be offended if Linnea never did cocaine. Start out with some... Linnea, if you're listening, we love you. And black. Obviously. That'll give you a nice illusion of depth. Uh, next thing we need to do now is make the gelatin actually look like part of one. This is a very advanced, <laughs> simple <laughs> You technique. can do this at home. Now I'm just going to model it up a little bit. Let's do you want to scare your parents? <laughs> I once uh, bit a blood capsule... Uh, after Halloween ended and ran to my house and told my mom I fell off my bike and she screamed at the top of her lungs. I was like seven. <laughs> One of my favorite things, I don't know we've had this discussion before, one of my favorite things about when you when I get done in makeup on your Oh, God. Side. Yeah, just the safety pins. Oh, God. Sorry, what were you talking about? Uh, one, of, one of my favorite things when I do makeup on the set is, uh, when I get put in makeup on the set, is driving to a drive-thru usually oh, after. Yeah. The monster makeup skits are fun. No, they're fun. Hey, Crypt Keeper's back. I don't know if this is face powder or my dear departed sister Helen. <laughs> Next you meet the man who really gave Stephen King something to write about. Thinking of departing, my dearie. Is it his drug dealer? Oh, my undead body. What? <laughs> Hi, I'm his uh, cold syrup dealer. <laughs> I mean, cough syrup. Cough syrup. Cold syrup. Syrup? Cough syrup. Located in West there we Hollywood, go. California. Kind of. Promotional consideration provided by Preferred Stock. Oh, it's a cologne called Preferred Stock. If anyone listening to this wears Preferred Stock, write us at Freddy's Nightmares Pod at gmail.com. They still in business? I doubt it. The fragrance that makes a statement without saying a word. Exclamation. Well, that one's definitely not a fly by night 90s brand. Come on. I remember, like, uh, they were like, uh, there were clones like Jupe. Yeah. There were like all these, like, weird names. Like, yeah, I do remember some of those. Modern smell for a modern man. I just love that Universal Studios Hollywood logo. WPIX in New York. That's where this was recorded. Kids like me had to hide this magazine. Uh, you have the wrong one, Robert. That's, that's famous monsters. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I meant Swank. The publisher of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, yeah. Forrest J. Ackerman. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. I have only discovered as an adult. John Landis is talking. How influential Famous Monsters of Filmland was. Wouldn't be surprised. If Joe Dante with hair. A lot of hair. <laughs> you know, serious interest in movies started. I'm about to uh, have my entire career change. Um, I'm making what will be the Look biggest hit. The biggest hit in Hollywood. It's going to be called The Burbs. <laughs> Poor Dante. And then I'm following it up with the second biggest hit in Hollywood, Matt and Hay. They're both phenomenal both movies. Phenomenal movies. Yeah, they, just didn't, they didn't get the response they deserved. Dr. Acula. <laughs> I like the big piece of gaff tape over the address. Yep. I bid you welcome. I love Thorin. Don't be afraid. Meet the You know, in in a friend of mine told me that in Hollywood, if you wanted Thorin in your movie, all you had to do was tell him you would come to his office and film him, and he'd be in your movie. That's awesome. Magazine that made mothers cringe and made young boys who dreamt of monsters do anything to get it. 
my mother wouldn't let me have them in the house. I saw them at my cousin Scott's house, and because he I, was a bad kid, you know, read them voraciously, really pour over the, because it was the only magazine out there that actually told you how it was done. Other magazines imitate, but none had Forey's touch. Spoopy, true love of science fiction. From the time the first issue of Famous Monsters hit the stand in 1958, through over 200 issues and beyond. The magazine those are a lot of fun. Became almost I mean, I've always been a, a lover of those, but I mean, I, they were before I my time. Yeah. But I appreciated what they did very much. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Letters from young men now in their 30s or so. They say, you made my childhood, and I just lived month for month for your magazine. And uh, these kids grew up, uh, well, one of them was 14 years old. A uh, man who now gets $10 million advances for books he hasn't written yet, but uh, okay. Stephen King sent me his first story when he was 14. <laughs> and the little boys had grown up and turned out to be John Landis and George Lucas. And, but some uh, of them were good Steven people. Spielberg <laughs> and Toby Hooper and John Carpenter and Rick Baker, Monster Maker. Yeah, Rick Baker. I was looking back through some of my old issues to try I to thought it was Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker. Hey, I do like that. I was going to do and it really brings back a, a funny feeling. It's weird seeing him without a beard. My life when... I had these magazines memorized. I, I knew what was on each page in each issue of Famous Monsters of Filmland. And it's, Look at that hair! I mean, it was, it was well, that was also a pretty pretty bad Photoshop job of, of uh, Joe Dante on the cover of Famous Monsters. I mean, he, he legitimized a very sort of illegitimate kind of movie making that was not not taken Ugh. seriously by anybody but the people Lazo who did it. scared me. And, uh, I think yeah, they do that. Forey is important, and he's important historically. He's, uh, from the time he was a kid with those other weird kids, Ray Harryhausen and Ray Bradbury, um, they had a very distinct vision of I love that Landis is filmed in front of an aquarium, so all. there's just fish but and, uh, it. Well, what else is he supposed to do? I don't know. I just love that. Art form. I've got the president on oh, the yeah. scan. Amazon on the moon. He has so much respect for Forrest Ackerman that he made him the president of the United States. Come in, men of Moon Rocket One. In his film, Amazon Women on the Moon. We read you, Mr. President. This is a proud day for all Americans. that lava lamp. He did a much better job than current president. <laughs> I like that because it's like, which president doesn't matter? No one likes the current president. Whoever it is, it's a good joke. Doesn't matter. You think you can catch up? Don't worry. HBO home video. Getting things squared away. While movie makers like Landis work to preserve Forey forever on film, he has continued to... I, I always smile when he pops up yeah. in the film. Famous monsters of film. Well, hell, he was in uh, Dracula versus Frankenstein, but his scene got cut. In the Acker Mansion. Yep. The He's Acker been cut out of a lot of movies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> My favorite is when he pops up in Hard to Die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like... Whenever I watch Hard to Die, I always have a big smile on my face when he pops up. The science fiction magazine jumped off the newsstand, grabbed hold of me, and said, Take me home, little boy. You will love me. From there it grew... Uh, Three years after that, my mother was quite concerned. For those who don't know, Forey Ackerman not only ran Famous Monsters of Filmland, but he was just the monster movie historian of Hollywood. He was a, an institution in and of himself. And his collection was amazing. 
and um, over 600 props. Props. Because like he had like the original time machine. Balagosi's ring. Yeah. And the mummy's ring. Or mummy's ring. And Bela, yeah. Karloff. He's collected everything that ever came his way. I mean, if it was so much as a napkin that Boris Karloff <laughs> used at a, at, a, at a bar. And he's got it all in his house. Uh, and, and not only that, he... Lets I know there was like a massive uh, auction. Mm-hmm. And he lets kids... Who was it, wasn't there a documentary about him that came out a while back? There's got to be a doc um, about I mean, Forey. He's, 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 the, he's the biggest kid that I ever met. And, uh, and he... I Some of the... He has like the Wolfman, Frankenstein. Uh, I saw Chucky. Like, all kinds of good ones. Forrest Jackerman inductee. Forrest Jackerman? Jay Ackerman. Shut up. You need to learn to be respectful. Rick Baker, Joe Dante, and John Landis. All right. Yeah, Wolfie's mad at you for picking something so long for us to watch because she'd like her dinner. <laughs> You don't feed them. You told me that. No, not anymore. I don't fall for that anymore. That's why we're behind the camera. Uh, nothing could give us greater pleasure than to uh, present this award tonight to somebody who's meant a lot to us. Ladies and gentlemen, Forrest J. Ackerman. Oh, here comes Forey. Yeah. In his, in his robe, uh, jacket thing. Cloak. Cloak. I guess you could call it a cloak. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, she's just messing around the dog. Ah. I need to do something about these cables. So she doesn't Aww, keep standing stuck ovation. Her. Hell yeah. Well, of course, he's Forey Ackerman. Gosh, she didn't pass away that long ago either. Uh-huh. These are three little lambs that I led astray. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're. Uh, really able to see this quite clearly. It seems to be the Grim Reaper. I'm uh, I'm wondering if he has a relative called uh, Jack the Reaper. (laughs) I guess without a pun, you wouldn't have believed it was me. (laughs) Well, we have the the Oscars, the Emmys, and the Grammys, and it appears to me that I probably just received the first Grimmy. I like that. Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> oh, Crypt Keeper's got something to say. But it ended up in the dead letter office. <laughs> <laughs> Next, a lady who will kill you with comedy. Don't go away. We'll be right what? back. Who? Oh, you know. Wait, well, it could be Phyllis Diller or Joan Rivers. It's, it, yeah, I think it's Phyllis Diller. <laughs> I love Joan Rivers. Oh, Joan Rivers is great. The best horror film of the year that you, the moviegoer, chose. All nominees were selected by the editors of Fangoria magazine. The winner was determined to a national poll. The votes cast by moviegoers. I think that was just Tony Timpone and somebody else walking out of a movie theater. Cineplex. With more than 1,700 screens in the U.S. and Canada. The poll was conducted now? in conjunction with Movies USA magazine, <laughs> the number one in-theater magazine for moviegoers. The results from this exclusive Cineplex Odeon poll have been tabulated and will be announced later in the show. I like that it's Let's just an advertisement. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> look at the scene they choose. Uh, for arachnophobia? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eight legs. Our third nominated film. I, that's a great film. Oh, it's a phenomenal. I love arachnophobia. 
Goodman. Doubtful, Henry. There was a case in Florida where one of my colleagues bumped into a nest of black widows. Spider on the toilet. Well, just let it read something. It'll be done in a minute. <laughs> of course. He permanently lost control of all of his bodily functions. There's no spider here. <laughs> but I will hunt down the alleged arachnid and spread some to kingdom come. I love arachnophobia. That is a terrible clip. I know. There's so many great clips with like scary spider things happening, but you know what? Walt Disney, his uh, cryogenically frozen head, he was like, they only get this. Phyllis Diller Diller herself. I love that dress. That dress is amazing. It's like a furry candy corn. Yeah, that's actually pretty accurate. Thank you. Thank you. I felt so comfortable in that cave. It reminds me of my kitchen. <laughs> I'm not cut out for housework, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Fang keeps saying, well, housework never killed anybody. I said, why take a chance? <laughs> <laughs> we got a ring around the tub you can set a drink on. <laughs> <laughs> Today I used a weed eater on the shower curtain. <laughs> And of course, I'm here because I live with a bunch of monsters. Fang, oh, please. <laughs> Happiest day of my life will be the day I open the refrigerator door and see his face on a milk carton. <laughs> <laughs> and then his mother, the real monster, oh my God. Oh, I don't know how to describe her. Picture Tip O'Neill in a sundress. <laughs> well. Did you ever see the robot chickens? I guess they did with the uh, the Phyllis Diller splash thing that killed all the kids at the end. No, <laughs> it's just her He's laugh. Old, social security number two. <laughs> 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 oh, and speaking of old, the best contraceptive for old people is nudity. <laughs> She owns a stage every time she's oh, yeah. on it, man. But I was also thinking, I don't think she has anything to do with horror movies whatsoever. Uh, the Boneyard. That Are horror film she did. With the killer poodle thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might have been after this, though. Probably. The well, the Charles Manson I don't know. Center. <laughs> that old bat. She went to the doctor with a pain under her left breast. Turned out to be a trick knee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we need to have Phyllis Diller on every week. Phyllis Diller, living proof that comedy isn't pretty. <laughs> Damn, Crypt Keeper. Wow, that was harsh, Crypt Keeper. is really out of this world. I'm waiting for to be like, ah, Joan Rivers, the only person I know who has in common with me, has something in common with me. Neither of us have our original nose. <laughs> <laughs> from Poltergeist, please welcome Zelda Rubenstein. Yeah. This house is clear. I'm terrified. I wonder if they ever stand on Apple boxes. Hmm? Yep. Yep. 
She stepped up and became a, a foot taller. In space, no one can hear you scream. But that's not the case in movie theaters when our next inductee burst onto the screen and pioneered a new kind of technological terror. Our sixth inductee you know, is award a- ceremony reading the teleprompter has its own sound and style. <laughs> all its own. Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. Alien is so good. Well, that's a hot take, but I know, I'll right? allow you to have it, I guess, yeah. Origins, you got us up to check it out. The transmission? I tell you, Ridley Scott, pretty good director. I don't mean to talk out of turn, but... And you know who else is really good? I, I wish people would talk about that Steven Spielberg guy. Yeah, that Jimmy Cameron guy is pretty good, too. Oh, Jimmy Cameron. Yeah, he's all right, I guess. Did a good job with that, the abyss. That was about it. (laughs) Somebody, uh, Cameron apparently came out recently and said that uh, Avatar 3 is going to be 2025 and that the fourth one's going to be like 2029 or 2030. And somebody commented on the post that I saw it on. It was just like, can you just fucking release True Lies on Blu-ray already? And he went quiet, peon. We evolved into something awesome. Eight million dollar. Because yeah, True Lies in the Abyss terror. still need Blu-ray releases. Oh God, I don't know if he has access to the Abyss. Director Ridley Scott. Uh, I guess he, he said the Abyss and True Lies were coming together. I think horror, whether you're doing science fiction or whatever. You I was do, impressed Dan O'Bannon didn't slap anybody. The truth, then the stronger it's going to be. It was Scott's vision for detail that turned a run-of-the-mill monster movie into an instant classic. The film was shot at Shepperton Studios in England, where an alien world and an entire space. need to watch some of the bonus material in that box that I have, because I think there's like a two-hour documentary about Yeah, really? You need to do a lot of stuff. You're lazy as hell. Oh, stop. You just had like this five-day staycation or whatever. You should have watched something. I watched 20 movies, sir. Yeah, but five of them were uh, Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. Twice. I can't act. All I can do is use reality. And it was damned uncomfortable in those times we were working. It was hot and uncomfortable. And and I play the discomfort. And if the discomfort reads as horror... I mean, I I like it. Yeah, was slaved over. From the surface of the alien planet... To the alien itself. And it was that fanatical commitment to realism that left audiences quivering in their seats. But it all seemed like such a good shaky. Because while everything looked authentic, now why doesn't he do that more? I mean, I'm not being like funny, I'm serious. I mean, he, he did for a little bit. Um, he did a lot of those. Trying to remember what they were. So we were breathing our. Because VH1, um, he was on dioxide and we were a couple of those. I love we had to keep the whatever, like the seventies, eighties. Because one of them say, "I'm suffocating." I'm saying, "We start the panic," you know. Finally, for a lot of the distance stuff. I think the answer was he's expensive. No, I mean that could be it too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that old process of using smaller people to make the place look bigger. And once his child passed out, they started realizing something was really wrong. <laughs> I would say so. The alien was shot in England, where life is he cheap. Got top billing and most of the attention. After all, it was the hardest part to cast. I actually saw Aliens before I ever saw Aliens. Yeah, you're a poser. On board. practice of using real animal bones to get what he calls a biomechanical look. Combined with Ridley Scott, available on Laserdisc. Yeah, Laserdisc. And won Giger an Academy Award for design. 
Well, if you want an Academy Award, that means it's a thriller and not a horror movie. <laughs> Remember, that's a legal definition. The alien looked like until they came face to face. Man. In fact, oh yeah, they dinner all met scene. For the very first time <laughs> over lunch. What? The creature came in under wraps. Literally, came in in a bag, and. And so what we did was we rehearsed the scene with the and I told them what was going to happen, that something would occur to John Hurt. So John Hurt spent the entire ah. morning being installed. That's Dan O'Bannon, famous for Return of the Living Dead, writing and directing it. Also known for being a grumpy guy. Yes, that too. A grumpy cuss. Yeah. So we go down to the set. The stench was unbelievable. Ugh. For one thing, you thought, oh, God, what's going on? They had big buckets of guts and kidneys and fabulous little sports. Yeah. Um, from all the, the good old days. <laughs> and everything was Oh, no, not again. Hello, my baby. Hello, my dog. And they came over to me and they said, you'll be getting a little bit of blood on you. You know, but. So just a little. A smidgen, really. Oh, goodness. I had five cameras on it. I only wanted to do it once. So then we brought the actors in and we took it, brought it up to where we left off in the action. And then at a certain point, we just hit all the lines. And uh, the thing came rocketing out. Jeez. That's so gnarly. When this thing came up, it was unbelievable. They had a jet pointing at my face, a blood jet, which... I was going to get a little blood. No, a blood jet was the name of my band in high school. All the reactions <laughs> are the first time reactions. I flew back over the back. I of the shit couch. myself. I mean, there's, in the dailies, there's one shot of me with my cowboy boots sailing up like this. <laughs> rushed in from the side and picked up Veronica. Carried her limp off the set like an actor. I'd never seen Dan O'Bannon in suspenders. He's like Orville Redmond. He's wearing suspenders and a bow tie. I've never seen that before. Leave something to people's imagination. And Alien did leave something to your imagination. That's what women who don't want to actually be strippers say. And it could be anywhere. I'm a burlesque dancer. I don't make any money, and I leave something to the imagination. I think more scared. In its opening weekend, Alien made film history by earning a record $4 million, an honor previously held by box office bonanza Star Wars. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ridley's like, hey, George. When you look at it today, 12 years after. Well, made, when you account in, for inflation, that's $7 trillion. Dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's the more time. than the and deficit. It's classic is one that when you can look at it afresh. 20 years from the time it was made and say it's lost nothing at all of its emotional content what it does to you right, you got that heroin you promised me hey Tom Skerritt is a saint I love Tom Skerritt we'll see how he feels about what you said about him <laughs> alien inductee I'm guessing O'Bannon's gonna take it or did Ridley Scott actually show up I can't remember no actually. there's no way he did I think they put him in the credits because he was in the documentary. Ladies and gentlemen, who's the coming? Star of Alien, Tom Scarrett. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the star of Alien, the Xenomorph. <laughs> Just <laughs> the star of Alien, H.R. <laughs> Giger's concept of vaginas. <laughs> well, I uh, feel very privileged. Uh, 
to have this honor to accept this for Ridley Scott and uh, Gordon Carroll, David Geiler, and uh, Dan O'Bannon, I uh, must say that Ridley, apart from directing this film, operated the camera as well, which is a very subjective thing Nothing. to do. Shame on you. And uh, I recall this scene here that we just saw, the John Hurt uh, extreme indigestion scene. <laughs> uh, he uh, really was looking in the camera. Maybe that's what I have all the time, uh, just extreme he, indigestion. Uh, that's my death rattle. said much to us. No, I think you have a xenomorph. <laughs> I think that they keep laying eggs inside you and they keep dying from the hellscape that is your insides. And he said, Interesting. And that, I, as I recall, was his only objective directorial comment in three months of filmmaking. But it also sums up what my experience was. Was it in with focus, really kid? You film, were perfect. Was, uh, kid, it was brilliant. Very interesting. And thank you very much for this. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Gremlins 2. God, what scene do they show? A bunch of little critters that are not critters. I hope they show a terrible clip. Yep. Not even, a, not even a gremlin. Except the one that... Oh, wait, no, there's one. Yeah. Rick Dukamen was so freaking funny. Yeah, he was a funny dude. I really wouldn't do this if I were you. Yeah, but uh, you're not me. <laughs> oh, Gizmo. No, that's anti-Gizmo. Oh. Oh, you know what? Shut up. Yeah, that is the... Goofball Gizmo. I hate puppets. <laughs> A lot of cologne and perfume. Yep. Pumps of oh, it makes iron. sense, though. It's like, who's going to be watching this? 16-year-old boys and up to, like, 32 if they're drunk. Lady Stetson. Lady Stetson. A declaration of, declaration of independence. If you wear Lady Stetson perfume, oh. get ready for a nightmare on your street. And this nightmare's name is Freddy Krueger. This four-player game means it's yeah. the video game. Yeah. It's sponsored by Nightmare on Elm Street for NES. And it's fucking hard. Well, for you. <laughs> There's a criminal in the audience being a jerk. All the films we've honored have come from the USA. American monster movies are popular almost everywhere in the world. But tonight, we'd like to give you a rare glimpse at the creatures of other countries. Sort of a uh, grand tour of terror. Ooh, this is 1990. This is going to be so racist. Terror, I'm ready. The rising star of horror, a real little terror, the star of Child's Play 2, and uh, Barbie's worst nightmare. Ladies and gentlemen, Chucky. Here's Chucky. This was a wonderful era when they were like, Fuck the actors that play them. <laughs> you weren't going to be in makeup tonight. <laughs> For the record, Chucky right, is in a white tuxedo. Goddamn right he is. From horror flicks around the world. Roll it, Fellini. I love Brad Roll it, Fellini. Oh, God, the shaft. Waiting for an elevator can be oh, I've never seen this, but I've heard it was great. It's phenomenal. Or the lift, yeah. 
There's down in the lift. The You're always thinking about one. the shaft. <laughs> I think I saw like an American remake of it. Yeah. Oh. Amsterdam. Haven't you been trying to get me to watch yes, that forever? I, yes, I have. Is that a horror movie? Yeah, it's it's a, it's a thriller. Black hole of Calcutta. Whoa! This is interesting. No, it's a it's a Bollywood horror movie. Yeah. These musical numbers. Now that's scary. Yeah, that's what's up. Oh gosh. Oh Nervous if it says made in Hong Kong. Category three, baby. Appetizer from China's menu of hot Sichuan screamers. A Chinese ghost. Chinese ghost story. Yeah, that's one. That's one of the most famous. Sichuan screamers. I was right. Racist. Be scared. Close your eyes and no Peking. No Peking. Okay, so they're good, but when it comes to spending your hard-earned money Tell us, Chuck. on a real movie, remember, buy American. Go see Child's Play too. That's it, England. Get my limo. I'm out of here. <laughs> Is ABC a part of Universal? I don't. I don't think they are. Oh, they are. Thanks, Chucky. You're a real doll. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> He's just that I didn't write these. On the Shakespearean Harsh. Stage, but on screen, he's known to millions of fans as the Merchant of Menace. We're happy tonight to give him another well-deserved title. The seventh inductee into the Horror Hall of Fame, Mr. Vincent Price. Yeah. Oh, man. This is awesome. Born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1911, Vincent Price knew at an early age that he wanted to be an actor. In 1935, he made his debut in a small part. I've been going after a little bit more of his stuff because Jeff told me about one of his movies, um, not a horror film, where he plays a villain. But he was always phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Vincent went to Hollywood where he got his first taste of terror from Boris Karloff. (laughs) They drown his ass. In the Tower of London. Then, in 1940, Vincent mysteriously disappeared in The Invisible Man Returns. For the next 13 years, wow. Vincent's whole career seemed dead until it suddenly sprang to life in the 3D classic House, House of Wax. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's a great favorite movie. horror movie. Who uses his art Do you say it's your all-time favorite horror secret. movie? Mm-hmm. That's a lie. That's not. Huh, then why can't you watch it in 3D like I can? I can, I just can't see it very well. I can play the 3D, it's just not gonna, you know, come through. Watching that in your backyard, though, was a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm taunting David because I have a proper 3D projection. He does, and I got to watch House of Wax in his backyard in proper 3D, and it was incredible. Though he continued to play in straight drama, by the late 50s, horror was hot again. And Vincent's reputation as a monster movie idol grew as he played the helpless, horrified brother of the fly. It's good boy. Courtesy of 20th Century Fox. So creepy. (laughs) 
Jesus. (laughs) Vincent had found a home in horror movies, and soon he proved how hair-raising a host he could be in the house on Haunted Hill. Never heard of it. I'm Frederick Lauren. And I've rented the house on Haunted Hill tonight so that my wife can give a party. A haunted house party. (laughs) She's so amused. See the line. There'll be food and ghosts. Food and drinks and ghosts. The 60s opened the door for Vincent's golden age of horror when he signed with American International Pictures for a series of films based on the works of Edgar Allan Poe, stylishly directed by the King of the Bee movies, Roger Corman. The Fall of the House of Usher, The Pit and the Pendulum, The Mask of the Red Death, The Tomb of Lygia. So many man's finest performances as he played brooding heroes, haunted by family curses, tormented by fear, and obsessed with bizarre premonitions of doom. Oh! You are about to enter hell, Bartholomew. Hell! The Neverwhere. I see the, the pit, but where's the pendulum? <laughs> the abode of the damned. Ace of torment. That might have been the second one of his that I saw after House of Wax, because Mom showed me House of Wax. And the pendulum. The razor edge of death. <laughs> it's like Karloff when he starts going into a really good speech, I can't think. I'm yeah. just like watching it. screen's only rightful heir to the legacy of Cheney, Karloff, and Lugosi. In 1971, Vincent created what may be his most memorable movie madman, the abominable Abominable Dr. Fives. You remaining minutes are all you have. Because when the acid reaches him, he will have a face like mine. Oh, God. I need to revisit those. Oh, that's right, you weren't at Horrorama. They showed it this, this year. Yeah, I wasn't there. It was, I was just watching Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 6 on yeah, Disney yeah, 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 at the drive-in. Yeah, 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 I know. Theater Shut up. Theater of Blood, Blood. yes. Monster Club was fun. Yeah, it was. It was a ton of fun. Oh, and then, of course, Thriller. Vincent conquered a whole new medium, the music video, as the monster rap master for to Michael To terrorize Jackson. yours. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver. For no mere mortal can resist the evil of the Thriller. <laughs> Well, that that destroyed any monetization possibility of this video on YouTube. <laughs> Clip of thriller, yeah. Best loved stars, without a doubt, he's brought a unique macabre magic to movie history, a truly priceless contribution. Ah, on. Priceless. Is there no end to your horror? No. Ah, damn it. I love this. David, calm down. No. Did they get him? Uh, they did, but just wait. Oh. Just wait. Vincent could not be with us tonight, so he went to his home in the haunted hills of Hollywood instead. This is perfect. Present the award is an actor whose films include Planet of the Apes and more recently Fright Night, and whose friendship with Vincent goes back 40 years. Roddy McDowell? Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Roddy McDowell. Well, now, Vincent, because, uh, and he's not there either! For so many decades. 
But he's with Vincent. Um, oh, okay. No, exact. see, I like this, though. Cause, yeah. So what they did is they faded to a shot of basically probably Vincent Price's backyard yes. of uh, Roddy McDowell sitting with Vincent Price, who's wearing a cowboy hat. I love them together in the oh, yeah. shot. That, that works for me. I thought he was just going to walk out and, you know, be like, sorry, he doesn't care. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you, Roddy. And on behalf of all of those millions... Because I think we lost Vincent, what, three, four years after this? Something like that, yeah. Let me check. I'm honored to induct you into the Horror Hall of Fame. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Honored is inducting you to the Horror Hall of Fame. I love Roddy McDowell so much. You know, when I heard that you were going to be to present this to me, I knew that you would come dressed correctly. Beautifully dressed, as always, groomed, as they say. But I didn't quite know what to wear to be an inductee into the Horror Hall of Fame, so I put on my usual little outfit of touch of blood, little death, and no face. (laughs) I love it. It's wonderful. And I'm very thrilled, you know, quite truly, for all of us who have been in horror pictures throughout the years, we've all thought that they've been vastly underrated. They've done an awful lot for movies to bring people into pictures to thrill people, to give them the fun of a scare. And also, I think, to bring a lot of people together. You know, when I used to take my girlfriends to early horror films with my friends Boris Karloff and people like that, (laughs) it was wonderful because she would lean over and grab my hand. And many, many a romance has come Higher. (laughs) I'm a romantic actor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was lovely. That was really nice. Class act. I love that. Did you start making out? I mean, why not? Hello, it's the I'm 90s. The the oh, Joan Rivers. I was in New York. Joke's on you, Vinny. I am here to say congratulations. No one deserves the honor more. For years, you scared all of us. You made a shiver and fear. You've sent children shit. up on down fine. And I think we paid six fifty a ticket, Vincent. We could have gotten the same feelings on the street for free. Anyhow, congratulations. I love you so much. I'm glad you're in the Horror Hall of Fame. You are just the best. Man, I was hoping she was going to do a set like Phyllis Diller. Yeah, Stiller, I know. But, ah, back to the Crypt Keeper we go. I got buried under all this paperwork. <laughs> Somewhere here is the winner of the best horror films of the year. Oh, no. Dying to know, aren't you? <laughs> You'll find out after these gravely important messages. <laughs> <laughs> So you do you know who won? Oh yeah. Oh well then we can't, I was gonna have us guess. Tremors. This next film I didn't an think. Star that really gave Tremors is one of my favorite I know, movies. I know. Final nominee for oh, God, what's the Final clip? Of the year, Tremors. <laughs> oh okay, it's actually a good one. Just one. I love Tremors. So I'm trying to guess. The, I, I'm trying to remember all the nominees. So, uh, they'll go over them in a second, but I can tell you. If oh, you then want. I'll let him go over them. Because I don't want you to accidentally like lead with the winner because, no, because of your memory. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's I like, you. When, you would remember the yeah. winner first. Uh, I want like Arachnophobia to win, but I don't know if they did or not. So, let me see. Let me hear the, the contestants. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I just want to try and guess. <laughs> Yeah, Anthony Perkins. You know, I didn't get to direct Psycho 4. <laughs> that bastard Mick Garris. Beautiful hair. 
Piece of shit. Yeah. No more tears. <laughs> Inside joke. <sighs> All right, psycho. Hey, where's her? There's a huge monitor with all the, uh, but it's not so huge that I'm not going to need these. Okay. Uh, I'm here tonight to present the award for the best horror film of the year. Ooh. The nominees are Dark Man. I didn't see that. <laughs> Jesus, Perkins. <laughs> Dick move. I'm sorry I missed that. Oh, my God. Arachnophobia. I'm definitely planning on that one. <laughs> I don't like horror movies. Gremlins 2. I'm really thinking about what I think is the winner. And the one that you just saw the clip from, Tremor. I think, I, 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 I think Gremlins 2 won. Mm, let's find out. The winner, Arachnophobia. Oh! Now watch. Oh, the Gremlins <laughs> all mad, the audience. <laughs> I wanted Arachnophobia to win since you told me Trevor's did. Yeah. I the, wanted Arachnophobia to the, win. It deserved the, the, There's to win. another surprise. Oh! Thank you very much. Um, Is it a Graboid? I was just happy to be nominated, but to uh, to win this wonderful award and be amongst these uh, these great movies that we had. And this uh, to know really Anthony Perkins hasn't seen the movie. Um, as most of you know, it takes many, many. Different people he said he wants to, to make least. a movie. So I'd like to share this award with some of them. Oh. Uh, our writers, Don Jacoby and Wesley Strick. Uh, executive producer, Steven Spielberg. Uh, my producers, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Dick Vane. Gonna guess he's not a there. A fantastic crew, uh, including many, many spider wranglers running around after the spiders that got loose. There's a spider <laughs> yep. coming down on a string yep. from the uh, ceiling. Oh, my oh, I think it's... Well, actually... This award really it's moving. the star of arachnophobia. Yeah. And I think he should be here to pick it up. And here he is, Big Bob. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and now, now it's, it's grabbing it, it yep. lifting it away. Well. Disappointing. I think it's all politics. Dear Horror Hall of Fame. Who Dear the fuck do you think you fuckheads? And a special thank you to my good friend from HBO, the Crypt Keeper. He's wearing a Freddy yes, sweater. He is. The Crypt Keeper is wearing a Freddy sweater. Unpleasant dreams. I'm suing you. <laughs> You're under arrest. I'll see you all next year when we do the sequel, Horror Hall of Fame Two. Oh, he's wearing Freddy's glove. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good Thank night, you. Robbie. Bobby England. No, no more, no more Trident ads. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Hyundai. What did we learn uh, from this? From David deciding he want Pepperidge Farm remembers that he wanted to subject all of us to an hour and a half of this. Don't forget U.S. Air. I would never forget U.S. Air. <laughs> So, uh, what have we learned, David? I, I personally just love the fact that, A, somebody uploaded this. Thank you again, Doug Tilly. But I, this is this is the ultimate time capsule, like we talked about Roll at the beginning. Heads. Sorry. <laughs> that, um, the ultimate time capsule. We're probably not going to get anything of this caliber, except for, like, what they have on Shutter now. Oh, like well, the, I, mean, I mean, obviously that's very small. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, yeah, yeah, kill it. And fa- just go ahead. We're going to kill it. Kill it. Kill it. So, uh, 
But no, that was a really cool, really cool thing. No, but you're right. This was definitely kind of the end of the 80s era of um, uh, of excess. Yeah. This was a very excess show. Yeah. It was so much, so much uh, money, so much uh, production, mm-hmm. you know, just so we could celebrate horror movies, which were... A, you know, a big boon to the VHS industry. Yeah. So I do think that that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. And I mean, to, to watch and having it on October 28th, right around Halloween. Perfect oh, wow. time. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's just, it, you get a, you get a little bit of everything. You've got some comedy, you've got some clips, you've got a lot of people that you recognize, some of which are unfortunately no longer with us, but a lot just, of which, cause it was 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's just, I love the fact that this exists, but also just that it, that it happened. Like there was three years <laughs> in there that we gave this much attention to horror on, uh, on a national network. I think it was super cool. I think that the idea of it being yearly was the, what the death knell probably. For it. And, and uh, I think it would have been good to notice. be every a decade or so. They probably could have gotten away with something yeah. like this if they really tried. But they also, I mean, it was an expensive, expensive thing. So oh, anyway, yeah. my friends, we're going to get out of here because I've been sitting here for way too long and my dogs, <laughs> they is hungry. So thank you so much for listening to uh, Welcome to Primetime of Freddy's Nightmares podcast. If you want to email us, go to freddysnightmares.com or send us an email at freddysnightmarespod at gmail.com. Yes, sir. We really do appreciate it, and we love, love, love to hear from you. Absolutely. And not only that, but freddysnightmares.com has access to merchandise, access to our Patreon, which is the only way to truly directly support the show. Absolutely. We do appreciate the support, and hey, if you want to do something that doesn't cost you a dime, go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a five-star rating. Please. The ratings really help out. We appreciate it, but I'm done asking you all for things because <laughs> I'm just happy that Arachnophobia won. Exactly. So anyway, until next time, we'll see you at Springwood. Pleasant dreams. Pleasant dreams.